Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. Welcome all of you today here at Valpo and welcome our other locations. Pastor Phil mentioned our Wanatal campus is at a Scarecrow Festival this morning ministering. and uh, But just want to welcome all of our other locations, Full Throttle. Want to welcome all of you watching online. Put your hands together. Let them know you're here. <laughs> Lindsay, Pastor Lindsay was singing on a whole nother level today. I think it's because she got, I think it's because she's a year older today. She turned 30 today, y'all. Yeah, I busted her out. She makes fun of how old I'm getting. Well, guess what? You ain't in your 20s anymore. How about that? You're 30 now. Welcome to your body hurting randomly in your 30s is when it starts. So, hey, I want you to take out your Bibles this morning. John chapter 8, I think the worship God says Luke, as my mistake, but it's John chapter 8 is where we're going this morning. If you have your Bibles or if you've got a smartphone or a tablet, you can download version. That's a free Bible. If you don't bring your Bible with you, you can follow along there, but we'll also have it on the screen. John chapter 8 is where we're going this morning. We've been in a series all year talking about the questions God asked, and we've kind of been taking a few weeks to kind of unpack, I think, a question that, that is uh, uh, one that to really lean in on. Pastor Phil spoke to us a couple weeks ago about the, the woman who busted up in the party where Jesus was sitting, and she began to cry at Jesus' feet, and the Bible said that she washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, and she was a prostitute, right, that she bust up in this party, and the religious people got upset and was like, how dare Jesus let this woman be all over him if he knew who she was. And Jesus asked the question, do you see this woman? And we've been taking the last few weeks kind of just looking at that question. Again, this idea of compassion. What does compassion look like? What is it at work in our life? And and I I believe that this church and at all of our locations and and, and those watching online, I I know that many of us are are filled with compassion, but we've been taking a pause because we just... I don't know about you, but I know God is just stretching us and and causing us to take our compassion to another level. And I think in the culture that we live in today, they need it now more than ever. Amen? Compassion at work in our life. What does it look like? John chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 2. And the Bible says, at dawn, he, talking about Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the whole group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. women. Now what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, talking about Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Let's just pause right there and pray this morning. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy, Lord, in our lives. Thank you for your son Jesus dying on the cross, Lord, and it's because of him that we can come into this place, we can have relationship with you, we can come into your presence. And so God, I pray for every person in this room, every person watching online, 
God, whenever and wherever they are watching. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to what it is you have to say to us today. God, challenge and change every one of us in this place. Let us leave different than how we were when we walked in here today, than when we clicked online to join, than when we walked into that location today. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning, I simply call it The Beauty of Both. The beauty of both. What does compassion really at work in my life? What does compassion really at work in a Christ follower's life in our culture today look like? There's a, there's a quote I put on your screen by the name of Joseph Campbell, and I love the way that he pins his words when it comes to compassion. He says, the principle of compassion is that which converts disillusionment into a participatory companionship. This is the basic love, the charity. Now watch what he says. That turns a critic. Remember last week, if you missed the message, we talked about those who criticize, those critics. That oftentimes in my own life, I can too become critical. That, turn, that turns, he said, this is the basic love, the charity, that turns a critic into a human being who has something to give as well as to demand of the world. Compassion. What enables us to cause us to move from that critical state, from criticizing people and, and things and culture around us into moving into action, into moving into doing something. I wrote it down like this. Compassion is the capacity of noticing suffering, being moved by that suffering, recognizing it as a part of the shared human suffering, and watch, and seeking to alleviate that pain. That's compassion. What is it that I have in my life what are the abilities, what are the capabilities, what are the resources that God has blessed me with that when I look around in the world that I live, when I look around the culture that I'm at, when I walk onto that campus, when I, when I go into that place of work, that, that the compassion causes me not to just see the need, but then to do something about it. The beauty of both. I got a game this morning. Can we play a game just to kind of wake everybody up? I, I, got, I got an image for you on the screen. Uh, tell me, uh, show me the next image. The, the, the be, a beach vacation or a mountain vacation? Beach vacation. Show your hand. Come on, show you. Yeah, see, these are the people of God right here, the beach vacation. <laughs> beach va Mountain vacation. Show your hand. Type it in online. Which one are you? Mountain vacation. True story. Now, listen, I will choose beach vacation every single time. We go out to thank you very much. Amen. Hallelujah. We go out to Arizona with, a, with a, some great family friends, and a couple years ago, we go out to the Arizona for the first time. Now, now, here's my pet peeve. This is what my wife will tell you. She goes, she often tells me, I don't know how you live in Northwest Indiana because of how much you hate the cold weather. And I go, well, it just shows how much I love this place, is that I live in this godforsaken place from November to sometimes April. I'm okay in February, but when it's April, y'all... I'm ready. And so, so, so spring break, I like to go somewhere warm. I, I want to get away from the cold, and then when I'm going on vacation, I want to go somewhere warm. And so she says, we're going to Arizona. When I look, well, Arizona is warm. That sounds like a great place to go, Leslie. I would love to go to Arizona, hang out with our great family friends. Who doesn't want to go do that on vacation? See some, see some spring training, baseball. It would be amazing. So we're driving to Arizona. We're leaving northwest Indiana. It's cold. It's snowy. I believe snow was on the ground when we left. 
And I'm like, this is why sometimes I question God's plans for my life. But we leave, right, and, and we're driving to Arizona, and, and I'm going out, and we get, and I believe it's in New Mexico. And, and a matter of fact, I remember this very vividly. It's etched in my mind. I, I'm watching. I'm not watching because I'm driving. But March Madness is on the iPad in the background. I'm listening to the games and because uh, I would never watch TV and drive. That's just dangerous, y'all. And, and so I'm driving, and we get into New Mexico, the mountainous areas, and we start driving up, and it's like, like instantly, it's like God's got jokes. Aaron, snow, a blizzard out of nowhere. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what's going on right now? And she goes, honey, it's just, you know, it's the mountains. We'll probably get through it. And, and, and so, so we go, uh, she goes, we're staying in Arizona anyways. We're going to be good. We're staying in Flagstaff. I did not know, and no one told us, that Flagstaff is the only place in the godforsaken Arizona state that it snows. So true story, you can ask my wife. We had, we had some marriage counseling that we needed after this particular stop. We get to Flagstaff, Arizona. This is where the hotel is for the night and because and, we're going to go see the Grand Canyon the next day. And we get there, Mr. Good, and I get out of the van, and I'm unloading the van, and there is a four-foot stinking snowdrift right by my van as I'm starting my vacation. Now, I did not curse because I'm not a custom man, but I said everything I could without cursing in that moment of how angry I was because I like the beach. That's my vacation. Well, what, what about this? Some, uh, let me show me. So, oh, a steak dinner or a chicken dinner? The steak dinner. Show your hand up. Who prefers steak dinner? Yeah, see, exactly. Y'all got good taste buds. A chicken dinner. Does anyone prefer the chicken dinner? God bless your heart. Over a steak dinner. I would say the Brussels sprouts look pretty good. Uh, what, what about this one? Show me, show me that. Oh, yeah, chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream. Chocolate ice cream in the house. Where you at? Where you at? Okay. Come on, online, type it in. North Justin. Come on, uh, Heber. Uh, vanilla ice cream. All you plain people that need something else in your life. Okay. Vanilla ice cream. Uh, how about this? Uh, oh, a truck or a car? Truck. Where's the truck people at? Yeah. Yeah. We hillbillies down deep inside. Truck folk. My son has a, has, what about my car people? Any car people? Any car people? Come on. Yeah, there you go. My, my son has a car now. I hate driving it. He goes, Dad, I hate driving your Jeep. I go, I hate driving your car. I go, because it's so low to the ground. And then he had the audacity uh, to tell me the reason I don't like it so low to the ground, Jory, is because I'm getting old and I can't get in and out of the car. I was like, I remember that when the insurance is due this month. We'll see who's old then. Uh, oh, yeah, this is for my full throttle family. How about a Harley or not a Harley? Come on. Any Harley fans in the house? Any Harley? Anybody not a Harley fan? That's me. That's me. I remember I showed up. I've got a yellow Honda Shadow VTX that I ride occasionally. I ride it some. And uh, I don't put a lot of miles on it. But I remember riding up to full throttle one night. And I, and I pull up and there's another Harley gentleman and he's standing by there. I'm not going to call him out. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to hurt his feelings because he hurt my feelings. But I pull up and I'm backing my bike in and I'm thinking I'm feeling like a man because I'm at the full throttle campus and I'm on my motorcycle. He goes, of course you drive a yellow bike. Of course you do. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. But the beauty of both, the beauty of both. Here's my question. In every one of those images, and maybe you thought it in your head, in every one of those images, why instead of either or was our reaction not give me both? Right? Like, why not, oh, I'll take the beach vacation and the mountain vacation because I just need vacations. Give them to me both. I'm so hungry, I'll take the steak dinner or the chicken dinner. Just give me both. This is what I've come to understand in my life. We like to put things in a category of either or. It's either this 
or it's got to be that. It's either the beach vacation or the mountain vacation. It's either the steak dinner or the chicken dinner. It's either the truck or the car. Come on, whatever it is in life. And unfortunately, right, some people say, well, Pastor Matt, like you can't, it has to be either or. I think if you look at it as both, that just shows how, how much of a lack of an imagination you have in your life. It can never be both. Oh, no, I disagree. I think it definitely can. I think that's the beauty of both. For example, I see some babies in the house. Babies can be both beautiful and annoying. Come on, they can. Come on, mom and dad. Y'all know. Like, they're, they're precious. They can be both precious and, God, why did you give me this? Like, like, Because, like, you're holding them and they're precious and they're sleeping, right? They're newborns. Cause now all they do is sleep as newborns and, and you're getting adjusted in life. But then in a few months down the road when them lungs fully develop and they don't want to sleep, right, and they, all they do is scream and all they do is cry, you're like, oh, you're beautiful and you're annoying at the same time. The beauty of both, right? Kids growing up, my, my, my teenage parents, the kids growing up, it, it, can, it can be both. My wife will send me all the time text messages of like the memories of Facebook that pop up of our kids as small little babies and she'll text me, oh my God, do you remember this? And it's like the crying face emoji. They're so beautiful, they're so great. And I'm like, yeah, but they're getting older and they're almost out of my house. I think it's the greatest stage ever, right? Like soon they're not my problem, and I know they'll be my problem the whole life. But, but what it is, it's the beauty of both that then as my kids are getting older, and I do, and I look at them and go, man, I just, they're getting so big and time is flying by. But it's also I appreciate the stage of life that I'm in, the beauty of both. You know, junk food, oh, I love me some junk food, potato chips and cereal. That's my arch nemesis, y'all. It's beautiful, right, because it's so delicious, and yet it's so bad for you. The beauty of both. Buying a car. It's that first time you get it in the new car, the new car smell. And you got to start paying for the new car smell, right? The beauty of both. My son, who is now my oldest son, Mason, who's now dating. It's the beauty of both that, man, he's dating and all of these changes are coming. And I don't know how to navigate. And, man, this is such a different stage of life. And, and I don't know if I like it. And then, but he has such an amazing girlfriend named Priscilla that I can look at him and be like, oh, it's so great. Priscilla, there's your shout out. You said you wanted a shout out. There you go, Priscilla. Gave her her shout out. It's the beauty of both, right? Mr. Mihuk, keep him in check, though. Keep him in check. It's the beauty of both at these stages in life. And oftentimes, hear me this morning. What, what are we trying to say? I think, unfortunately, oftentimes, I think, though, this is how we also see compassion. That compassion has to be either or. And we don't understand that it's really both when it comes. See, write it down in your notes. Compassion is not just being nice. That's not compassion. Compassion is not just, well, I mean, I really don't agree with them, but I'm going to be nice. I'm going to choose to take the high road. That's, that's not compassion. Compassion is, is not suppressing feeling. Oh, listen, I totally understand the culture we live in. I know exactly. I am fully aware as now a youth pastor that is about to start his 19th year. Oh, my Lord Jesus. I'm fully aware how different 2023 looks for young people than what it did five years, 10 years, 15 years ago. I'm fully aware of the hot, talk, hot topic issues 
that is facing not just our young people, but our culture. I'm fully aware of the strains that is going on on our families and our marriages. And a lot of times we think, well, i got to be compassionate. I'm just going to shove what I think way down. I'm not going to say nothing. I don't want to ruffle no feelings. So I'm just going to suppress my feelings. That's not compassion. Compassion is not just saying something with a kind tone. That's not compassion. You ever know somebody say that, say something to you, and you know it's rude, and you know it's hurtful, but they say it with a smile, and you're like, well, I know what they said should have hurt my feeling, but they were smiling the whole time, and I just don't really know how to take that, right? Or we'll do it, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but I'm going I'm to smile the whole time, and then that'll make me feel better. Compassion is not just having a kind tone. Compassion, again, hear me this morning, it's not ignoring reality. Compassion is not looking around in our culture. Compassion is not looking at my kids as I'm raising my kids. Compassion is not looking at my spouse as we're working out our marriage. Compassion is not going to work or going to our schools and just burying our head in the sand and acting as if nothing is going on around us. That is not compassion. And compassion is not, hear me this morning, condoning decisions. Compassion, and I know that's counterculture. They want to Say that, well, you've got to approve and you've got to be okay and that's how you show love. No, no, no. Compassion is not just patting someone on the back and be like, well, you'll be all right. You'll figure it out. I mean, I know the lifestyle you're living is against God's word. I know the way that you're, you're, you're thinking is against God's word, but it's no big deal. That's not compassion. And the older I get, I know I'm not as old as some and not as wise as some in the room, but I do know this. The older I get, the more I realize that life is often much more full of the moments of the both and the ands than the either and the ors. Life is full of those moments. As a parent, I, I, I think we, as a parent, I'm, and I, I talk to a lot of parents about this, I think oftentimes we can get so sidetracked in this, that particularly as a Christian parent, that we want and I'm going to talk about myself. I want my kids to be successful, right? I want my kids to be the best athletes they can be. So I push them to be the best athletes. I want my kid to succeed in the classroom, so I push them to succeed in the classroom. I want my kid to, to be the best citizen, right, just to be an enjoyable person to be around. So, so I, I push them to do all of that. But watch, as a parent, if I'm not careful, I can put so much emphasis on their life that in all reality only lasts for 80 years, and I miss the more important things that's really all about eternity that lasts forever. And I can put, I'm talking to myself so I don't get on your nerves. I'm going to get on my nerve. I can push all of my focus and all of my, I want you to be the best at this. And I want you to do this. And I can take you here and go there. But I'm not going to spend more extra time with you in the Bible. I'm not going to take you to more extra time to your small group. All of that stuff that I, I miss out. And now, now watch, it's not either or. It can be both and that you can you can plan your life for eternity. You can store up treasures. You can, you can put eternity in view of everything you do. And both, you can also be the most successful person you can be while you're here on this earth. I think that's God's desire for our life. It's not to have the either or, but the both and. And if we're not careful, though, we find ourselves looking at things in life, categorizing it's either or it's or. And it causes us to live a life not full of compassion. It causes us to miss moments of conversations. It causes us to miss moments of, of clarity that we can have with people. Let, us, let me take you back to our text this morning. In John chapter 8, the Bible says this in verse 3. 
that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, caught her right in the act. And they made her stand before the group. Imagine how humiliating this probably is for this lady. That Jesus, we know, if you, as you read your Bible, everywhere Jesus goes, there's usually a pretty large crowd. So Jesus has showed up to teach. People are slammed full, I'm sure, just like our text that we read last week where they had to lower the friend through the roof they could not even get into. I'm sure it was something like this. So they bring in this woman who's been caught in the act. There's no way she can lie her way out of this. And they make her stand before the group, and they say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman got her, caught her, in the act of adultery. And in the law, Moses commands us to stone her, but what do you say about it? Ha <laughs> Oh, they got Jesus. They, they caught him. I mean, what is Jesus going to say? Jesus knows the law. Jesus is the law. Jesus was the law fulfilled. So Jesus knows exactly what the words of Moses is. Jesus knows exactly what the law is. And yet here are these gentlemen, but I want you to write this down. Compassion allows us, this is what compassion looks like. Compassion allows us not to label someone just because we caught them in their lowest moment. That's compassion. Because let me say it like this. We're going to get really personal today. If it's not contentious enough, it's about to get even more contentious in here. If I caught you in the right moment this past week, what can I say about you? If you caught me in the right moment this last week, what could you say about me? If I had a video camera that could display or some type of device that could display every thought that we had this past week about another individual or about a situation or about a circumstance or even about ourselves what could we say about ourselves if every thought could get broadcast ah, y'all are quiet <laughs> like, like people tell me all the time people have to say you know me and pj we get on a on on, on, on facebook live or we'll make a video or something sometime People are like, man, y'all should get your own TV show. Like, you should just have cameras follow you around, and it would be great. I would watch. I'm like, no, nah, we should not have cameras follow us around all week. Because <laughs> there would be times you'd be like, they work at Heartland. They, you, we, sure, they should be working at Heartland. Like, they're, what am I trying to say? We, I'm not saying I do crazy stuff all week. But at the same time, if any of us, any of us at any moment are suspect to our human nature taking hold. Oh, y'all going to be too quiet. Like, you got this all together. Let, let me, if, it, if, it's not, if it's not tight enough in here, let me make it even more tight. I'll give you an example. A very hot button issue, abortion. I know you might disagree, and that's okay if you disagree. I know when I go to my word, abortion is, is murder. I know abortion is taking an individual's life. I know this. I, I can go to my word. I know that everyone is created in the image of God. And, and, and I know when I, when I look at my text, I know hands down that, that an abortion is a decision that takes the life of another human being. However, watch. Now, let me show you. I don't know what drove that woman to that point in that moment to make that decision. So if I lack compassion, I will take that split decision that was made in that moment, whether it was a couple months, a couple weeks, that she processed, a couple few days, I don't know. I will, I, will make, I will take someone that made a decision in that moment, and I will categorize them in some way because of that moment. Oh, y'all are so quiet today. Addiction. I know addiction is terrible. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it may be. You, 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 you fill in the big addiction. I know what the word of God says. That Jesus can set people free. I, I know that. I, I know that, that God has more power than, 
than what other people face in circumstances. I, I know that. So, so, but if I'm not careful, watch, because I don't know their story. I don't, I don't know what their life, I don't know what, what happened in their life that got them to that point to be addicted. And if I'm not careful, I, I will judge them by just what I see, by what they're caught in. Do you hear me this morning? Oh, I know we're thinking deep right now. I will judge them by what they've, they've been caught in and by, by the moment that they are in. And watch, and I forget and I understand that had it not been for God's grace and mercy, that could be me. Had it not been for God's grace and mercy at work in my life, that could be my kid. Had it not been for God's grace and mercy working in my life, that could be my marriage. Had it not been for God's grace and mercy in my life, that could be me struggling mentally with that moment in life. Listen, and oftentimes if we're not careful, we, we let our lives, I let my life become so prideful. Because watch, humility born from recognizing my own frailty causes me to tend to embrace the both and the, and the, and the ands of life more often. Then I realized, God, had it not been for you at work, God, had it not been for Jesus showing up in my life when I needed it, God, if it had it not been for a mom and a dad that prayed when I needed it, for grandma and grandpa that prayed, for aunts and uncles, for people around me that fought hard to pray for me and to not let me suffer, had it not been for those people, God, that could be me. So I have to keep myself humble and watch and not judge those people just because I caught them at the lowest moment. That's compassion. I'm not going to label you because of something you've done or said just in that moment. Compassion allows us not to label someone just because we caught them in the lowest moment. Watch, secondly. Compassion at work in our life opens our eyes to the real enemy. Verse 6 says they were using this question, right, they bring this woman. These are the religious people that really can't stand Jesus. They're always trying to catch him. They're using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I don't know what he wrote. Theologians debate back and forth. Maybe he wrote unforgiveness, bitterness. I don't know what he wrote. Maybe, you know, again, I know we've said it here before, like they caught the woman in the act of adultery. Last time I read a bi biology book, it takes two to tango. So where was the man who was also in the act of adultery? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe he wrote the man's name in the sand, and dude's like, oh, snap, that's my name. That's he knows. I don't know what he wrote. But he begins to write on the ground with his finger. In verse 7, when they kept quest on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Compassionate work in my life opens my eyes to the real enemy. Listen, I understand in this culture we live in, in this polarized America that we live in, in this polarized society that we live in, it's so easy to quickly group people for good people and bad people. Right? Like, like, like let's, let's be honest. I mean, we're all uncomfortable anyway, so let's, let's just make us more uncomfortable. Politically, right? We can look at a group and be like, well, politically, those are good people. And politically, those are bad people, no matter where you stand. I talk to people all the time. No matter where they stand, that they say, well, politically, that's a good group, and politically, that's a bad group. I look at it. I think both of them got some issues, <laughs> right? Uh, my, my hope isn't in the government anyways. My hope is in Jesus, and that's a whole other sermon for another time. But, 
But, but watch, if we're not careful, we look at people and we say, well, because they vote the way I vote, those are good people. Or because they believe the way I believe, those are good people. You know, because they raise their kids the way I raise my kids, those are great people. I'm going to hang out with them. My kids are going to be around them. And watch, employing this false, unequivocal way of thinking renders us to watch, begin to categorize people quickly as good or bad, rather than understanding that we're all deeply flawed human beings. Like, like, like again, there, there, there's a book. I, I challenge you. I haven't read the whole book, but I've read excerpts and I've read different, different things of it. There's a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. And the author calls this type of thinking, this tendency to look at people in over, over, overly simplistic terms, good, bad. He, he calls it, it's, he labels it like this, the third great untruth. I think it's a pretty powerful statement. The third great untruth. And he says this is the third great untruth, that life is a battle between good people and evil people. That life is a battle between those people who think like me and those people who don't think like me. Those people who believe like me, those people who don't believe like me. And this way of thinking, when this way of thinking runs wild and even begins to seep into the American church, some people call it identity politics, but it's bigger than just politics, that we assemble people as good. If they're like us, they're bad. If they're not like us, we, we subject them to, to different things and, and to categories that are really contrary to the gospel of Jesus. Because when I read my Bible, there are no white hats and black hats. We're all black hats. There are no good people and bad people. We're all bad people. There's no like, oh, they got it together. They don't have it together. None of us have it together. Matter of fact, the Bible says it like this, that my righteousness, even on my best day, is like filthy rags in comparison to God's holiness and God's goodness. And listen, when I read my Bible, there's no such thing of good and bad. I just see people that are free and still bound because had it not been for Jesus coming and dying on the cross, had it not been for Jesus coming and paying the price for my sins, had it not been for Jesus coming and setting me free of the way I think and the way I talk and the way I live, had it not been for his goodness at work, in my life oh that would be me as well and all of us without Christ hear me all of us without Christ are just bad people so turn to your neighbor remind them right now say you're bad don't even play you're bad don't even get it twisted without Jesus we're all bad without Christ we're all bound Without Christ, none of us are free. But thank God the blood of Jesus comes and saturates my life. Thank God the blood of Jesus comes and sets me free. Thank God the blood of Jesus comes and washes away my sins. And I have access to God. I have access to his presence. Not because I got it all together, but just simply because I'm free. Come on, put your hands together if you're glad of what Jesus did for you. See, Ephesians 6 says it like this. He says that, Paul says it like this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let me remind you this morning, we are not at war against people. 
We're at war against an enemy called Satan, the devil, who has his unfailing plan to take this world captive. And you and I have the best news in the world to set people free. You and I have the best news in the world to take them from the darkness into the light. You and I have the best news in the world that sets them free of their addiction, that sets them free of their mindset, that sets them free of whatever it is that is holding them back. The Bible says that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And we have that message. And the message is the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in our life. And listen, if people are opposed on big issues, we're opposed on big issues. Sometimes they're wrong, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're right. And listen, oftentimes, though, if we're not careful, we begin to categorize people into categories. And hatred begins to come out. Disagreement begins to come out. And if we're not careful, it, it begins to allow and it makes the compassion at work in my life be limited. So compassion doesn't mean, though, compassion at work in my life, it opens my eyes to the real enemy. There's a devil who his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his plan. So however he can divide the culture, however he can divide the church, however he can divide your family, however he can divide your community, he will do that. He's the enemy. Compassion, it allows us not to label someone just caught, just because we caught them in the lowest moment. Compassion at work in my life, it opens my eyes to the real enemy. Watch this, thoroughly write it down, because I know what you're thinking already. Compassion doesn't mean we overlook sin. You know, I said it earlier, I'm totally aware of the complex culture that we live in in 2023. I'm totally aware of the hot button issues that is talked about or that a lot of people don't want to talk about because it's a hot button issue. And I think too sometimes, and this is not in my notes and this is maybe just another, just think about it. I think sometimes too as Christians, that's why our light is not shining as bright is because we are, we are afraid to talk about some things that we need to talk about in a compassionate way. We live in a very complex culture, one that I think oftentimes we tend to respond in oversimplification, denying the nuance and the context of what's going on around us. Like, like again, I, I know what the Bible said. People can come and talk to me and ask advice, or I could talk to people in the, in the city, or I talk to people as I'm out. In our world, I, I know that oftentimes things happen. I, I know what the word says. I can look at someone and say, you have every right to be angry. You have every right to have unforgiveness. You have every right to be bitter. But let me tell you what the word says about bitterness and how it destroys your life. I can look at the world and say, I understand your addiction. I know why you got there. I know how it led you to that point. I, I see your story of of what happened, but, but let me tell you what the word says of how you can be free, and let me, let me, let me tell you of, of how addiction destroys your life. Let me tell you about the devil who is lying. To, I, I, I get that. I had a conversation yesterday with a gentleman here on a soccer field. There was a young man that I was able just to have a conversation away from a bunch of other people, and I was able to talk to him, and as this young man began to tear up, that a lot of people's labeled him in a, in a certain way because of how he acts on a sports field, he began to tear up and cry, and I began to understand his story and then see where he come from. I realized quickly, I know now why you are the way you are. Yeah. 
And I was able to speak life into him for a moment. I saw a hard heart that was callous just begin to break right in front of me just in one of the three-minute conversations. But compassion does not mean, hear me this morning, that we overlook sin. I know that we often live in this culture today and we live in this place that we have this excessive exposure, exposure to editorialized content. We live in this media, this media age, social media, and whatever it may look like, that, that everybody has the capability to take a snippet and take it out of context and it looks totally different. Right? Come on, you've seen it before. We, we were talking the other day, Pastor and, and and PJ and I was in the truck and was headed to a meeting. We were talking about a particular pastor. If I said his name, many of you would know his name, that, that their church is, is very large. And he's a great communicator. I love listening to him. And, and I often see, and I'm like, man, that really, I hate it for the guy. I often see times on social media, they, they just take like a clip and a snippet of his message. And then they begin to blast him. Well, he's not preaching the gospel. He's not doing this. And I'm like, I listened to the whole message. You took that out of context, his one statement and oftentimes you know we even joked and laughed we said man there's moments that people could take things out of context for us and and, and we live in this world I get that we live in this world right that politically culturally we're we're so used to just this editorialized content and, and if we're not careful this is what causes us to do because of the snippets of life because of the snippets of the moment instead of preaching the gospel we begin to gang up on people in groups. Yeah. Well, they said that, they believe that. Well, they live in that way. They, they, must, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't believe what the Bible says. And, and listen, what, what am I trying to say to you? Write it down. I've come to understand in my life, I can have both standards and sympathy for people. Yeah. And that's okay. There, there's nothing wrong with having standards and sympathy. Because a lot of times we think, well, if I got compassion, I just got to keep my voice to myself, and I got to be able to be okay with, with whatever's going on. No, 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 that's not compassion. Compassion, I can have standards and still, still have sympathy for someone. I can understand why they're angry and point them to the text, though, and to the word and say, this is why you shouldn't be angry. I can understand why there's conflict, particularly for Christians, why things happen in life that can make us upset and hurt our feelings. I get that. That's life. But then I can go to the text and say, but... As a Christian, how do you handle conflict? What is that? That's having a standard and still having sympathy. What am I trying to say? Let me say it like this. I can have compassion without having compromise. And that's what compassion is. Come on, Pastor Lindsay, I'm almost done. And this is what Jesus did. Now, now this is a famous text in John chapter 8 that some other people that they have a different worldview, they often quote this story about Christ. Well, Jesus didn't judge. Jesus did not uh, condemn people. Remember the woman they caught in adultery, Pastor Matt? Oh, yeah, I remember the story. You stopped too soon. Because watch, let me take you back to the text. In verse 8, again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. So those people who have now brought the woman caught in adultery, they threw her down at the feet of Jesus. They got the rocks in hands. They're ready to stone this lady. He begins to write in the dirt. What was he writing? We don't know. But they begin to walk away one at a time. The older ones first. Probably because they had a little bit more baggage. He started hitting them quicker, right? <laughs> the older ones first until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Watch verse 11. No one said, 
No one, sir, she said. Now look, Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. And that's where everybody stops. Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus didn't let her get stoned, Pastor Matt. Jesus, I mean, he was full of compassion. We shouldn't judge people. You shouldn't judge me for my lifestyle. You shouldn't judge me for what I say. You shouldn't judge me for what I do. That's where they stop. But you got to finish the story. He says, neither, then neither do I condemn you. Go now. Come on, read it with me. And leave your life of sin. Whoa, hold up, Christ. I thought compassion was just patting people on the back. No, no, no. I thought compassion was just saying you can do better. Try it again next time. No. Jesus called her to a life of action, to a life of response. What am I trying to say? I don't know about you. I need both of God's grace and his mercy at work in my life. I need his grace giving me what I don't deserve. I need his mercy not giving me what I do deserve. I need both at work at, in my life. And if we're not careful, though, we give too much of one and not the other. Compassion is being able to look at someone and say, I know how you got here. I know I understand your story because I've listened. I understand why you're hurt because I've listened. I didn't judge you just because I caught you in that one moment. I didn't judge you by what you said just in that instant. I didn't judge you just because I see you in this season of life and, and you're going through it right now. I don't judge you. I've listened and I understand, but let me tell you about a better way. Let me tell you how to forgive different. Let me tell you how to let your marriage be different. Let me tell you how to raise your kids. I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. Let me show you how you can be different. Let me show you how your joy can look different. Let me show you you don't need the substance to have the peace and to have the to tranquility and have the joy that you're looking. Let me show you you don't need the relationships to fill the void that you're constantly trying to fill. Let me show you you don't need to try to live your identity in another body or in another way, but I can show you your identity that God has placed inside. Let me show you, but you don't get there until you first learn how to listen. Compassion. I told the first service. Did y'all did y'all remember the story that I said? Do you remember that conversation at IHOP? I told I told the first service. My memory is bad. I don't have a good memory. I should probably see a doctor about it. Maybe I don't know. But I don't remember a lot of lot of like a lot of details in life. My sister Amber is really good at memories. I think she makes up half of them, but she's good at memories. I love you, sis. She's watching. My wife is really good at memories. My boys. Dad, you remember this? Remember that? I don't have a lot of vivid details. She'll, she'll say, like, hey, do you remember when Mason, hey, you remember when Jeremiah? And she'll go into vivid detail, what everybody was wearing. He ran down the hall, did all that. And I'm like, I don't, was I there? She's like, yeah, you was there. It was their birthday party, Matt. You was there. Like, it was happening. And uh, so I don't have a lot of vivid me details of memory, mom, but I, I do have some. And I'll never forget, I, I think I'm 20 years old. I'm, I'm about to turn 20. Some of you know the story. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but we're living in South Alabama. We all get fired from the church. I was on staff at the church that we all get fired at. I was the kids' pastor. I realized quickly, I realized quickly in that season of my life that kids' ministry was not for me, but I was a kids' pastor for a year. And uh, so when everything went down at this church that kind of went haywire, it, it was me as well. And I had a lot of bitterness and a lot of unforgiveness in my life towards God, towards people. And, and my life was... I wasn't like going off the deep end per se, but my life was definitely going in a direction that was not the plans that God had for me. It was definitely not the way I'd been raised. 
And I remember my mom and dad who were not living in the city anymore. They had moved. I don't think they had moved here yet to Valparaiso. They were in North Alabama. And he calls me up one day. He says, Matt, we're coming to town. We need to have a conversation. Now, I heard the tone on the phone. And even as a grown man, I know what that meant. And I was like, all right, Dad, you're not coming to the house because I need witnesses. We're going to meet in public. Meet me at the IHOP at this place. <laughs> Don't act like, yo, I never almost lost it on your kid before, right? I knew what he, how he wanted to respond to what I was going through, what I was doing. And I knew my mom in particular. Listen, I know two, there's two women in life that you don't want to make angry. That's a Southern Belle and that's a Puerto Rican mama. Come on, Miss Julie. You don't want to mess with Puerto, Re Puerto Rican mamas and you don't want to mess with Southern mamas. I know that for sure. It's another story for another time how I know that, but I know that for sure. And I, so I know my parents are angry. I know they're upset. Not at me, but at the decisions I've been making. So we show up at the restaurant in a public place full of witnesses in case things get sideways. We sit at this booth. They buy my breakfast. My mom and dad, everything inside, I know, because I'm wired the same way he is. Everything inside of him wants to pull me across the table, Gabe, and get in my face. But my mom and dad, in compassion, begins to speak to me, begins to say some things to me, call things out in my life that they knew was there, call things out in my life that I was trying to shove down deep, and, and in compassion, that all they wanted to respond, but they listened. They understood where I was going from, and they began to speak life into me. And I'll never forget that conversation, because I really believe in that moment in my life, again, I know you don't play what ifs, but I think in that moment in my life, it was one of the most pivotal conversations I'd ever had. And I often wonder what, what it would have looked like had they shown up, responded how maybe naturally and physically they wanted to respond, right? How often I've Sometimes I've done even with my own kids that, that just out of my anger, out of my frustration, that scared me. Out of my anger, my frustration. <laughs> like, Lord Jesus, I thought God's trying to get a hold of me right now. Lord, what's wrong with my life? <laughs> out of my anger, my frustration, I've responded. I, I can take back the stories with my own kids that I know that out of anger and frustration, it's been either or. I've lost the moments of conversation both ends, and I can take you to a conversation I had one day on the deck with my oldest son. Put my arm around him. He cried, I cried. Oh, I wanted to choke him out, y'all. But in that moment, compassion, listening. And I often wonder in our own life, how many times do we miss those moments at work, at job, with our kids and our spouse? When we go, oh, listen, I'm so glad, I'm blessed. This is not a we, we gotta do this. I know Heartland is great at compassion. I'm, I'm so glad I'm at a church that is full of compassion for people, for young people, for kids. But listen, I just feel in my heart, and you know it, some of you have been talking about it, that the Holy Spirit is just stretching us. Go the extra mile. Stretching us, what does compassion look like if you was to release it even more in your life and not just affect Northwest Indiana, not just to affect your family, but this state, this world? What would it look like if compassion, and I think of those conversations in my life that I've had with my kids and my parents have had and that I've had with other people. I've seen God's work, God's hand. Let's use those conversations. Let's use those moments to begin to mold and to begin to move 
And listen, I totally get it, church. I want you to stand. Listen, I'm not by one minute. Now let me balance myself because I know how we think. I'm not for one minute saying there's not moments that we should draw a line in the sand and we got to stand for truth. I'm not saying that at all. I totally get that. That as a Christ follower, we always stand for truth. But, but I just wonder, I wonder how much more beneficial it would be if in the American church we begin to put down the picket signs and we picked up a cup of coffee. We put down the picket signs and we, we picked up a bill at a restaurant because we took them out for breakfast. And I don't mean literally picket signs. I don't think any of us has ever shown up there, but, but I wonder how oftentimes in my heart, in my thoughts, in my attitude towards others, I've made this callous place become a place where compassion could not move. Oh, how I know God is stretching me. I know God's stretching you. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.